Welcome back to The Host Dispatch. In today's episode, we are honored to be joined by our friend, Kate Kelly, an incredible poet, editor, and educator. Kate serves as the programs manager for the Library Foundation here in Austin, Texas. And in this episode, she introduces the lineup for this year's Mayor's Book Club Read Local campaign, featuring a list of over 50 books written by Austin authors this year. Kate provides recommendations and insight into the Mayor's Book Club authors, books, workshops, and book talks, as well as some key tips for how to be a happy, organized, and mayor-quality human in these unprecedented times. We hope you check out the programming for the Mayor's Book Club at austinlibrary.org, where you can sign up for all virtual events for free. To see what else Kate is up to, including links to some of her published work, check out her website, caitlinkelly.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Kate. Hey, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? There's a lot going on, actually. Uh, good things are happening, but horrible things are happening, too. So true. <laughs> this is our world. We're friends. We, we, we don't need to hide it. I feel like we all know. Yes, we are all friends. <laughs> but I'm really excited that we get to talk to you because I feel like in this tricky and difficult world, you're bringing a lot of goodness and light, um, especially through Badger Dog and the Library Foundation programming for the Mayor's Book Club. I just wanted to highlight some of the beauty in our corner of the world. Thank you, Anar. That's very kind of you. Um, yes, for those of you who don't know, I'm Kate Kelly. I am the programs manager for the Library Foundation, which is the nonprofit that supports the Austin Public Library here in Austin, Texas. And um, we do a lot of programming. And right now, there are different opportunities that have come up. You know how people use the word opportunity <laughs> to describe, uh, you know, how to navigate around a difficult situation. But it's been interesting because we have gone through this full virtual transition and we are launching a pretty robust calendar of programming for this fall uh, as a part of our mayor's book club programming. So that's where I feel like we kind of combine forces with host publications in a way. Yeah, definitely. Kate, essentially, you've been very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it. It's been a busy quarantine season. <laughs> Yep, quarantine times, as we like to call them. <laughs> quarantine times, <laughs> indeed. Uh, yeah, so so part of my role is overseeing a transition of a youth program that we run called Badger Dog, which Anar mentioned. And Claire, you are very familiar with this program. Claire was a teaching artist with us for, for many years with Badger Dog. Yep. Very grateful for all the amazing work that you've done with those students and adults as well. I... I love teaching with Badger Dog, by the way. I just, just have to say, it's um, if there's any people out there who need some teaching experience or just want to connect with kids or adults in a writing class, then Badger Dog is such a great way to do it because it's not a full-time gig and you can kind of experiment. You can try different things out. I really loved uh, doing the Memory Connections class with adults with early onset memory loss. That was a really wonderful experience. So yeah, check out Badger Dog if you haven't already. Thanks for the plug, Claire. Uh, oh, for sure. We, yeah, we have, a, we have an amazing group of teaching artists. And I feel like this is kind of getting at the core of one big quarantine realization, which is that Austin is so full of so many different, differently talented people across a wide variety of literary genres and uh, across a wide variety of literary communities too. And you guys are a part of that, you know, extended yeah. community. And I feel like the more that I've gotten to know both our Badger Dog teaching artists and our Mayor's Book Club authors over these past six months, the more wildly impressed I am every day and, and very grateful to wake up in this city with, with such a wealth of talent. Yeah. So the Mayor's Book Club, how long has that been around? 
Mayor's Book Club has been around for, for many years as a program of the foundation. And historically, we have a committee that is comprised of Library Foundation staff and awesome, amazing librarians through APL. And I love going to meetings with librarians. Can I just say that? Librarians are the coolest people. <laughs> They're always like ready and like on time and, mm -hmm. and just like excited um, in all the ways that I feel I'm excited about books. But they also have like such great ideas and experiences and they've read everything. So, th so they always know how to have a good conversation too. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I get to meet with them and I, I have my like librarian moments with some of my favorite librarians and we review titles. In a traditional year, we would select like one title or we would select a little, little suite of maybe like four titles that center around a particular topic and then we would run programming based on those books mm. um this year is different because this year is different for all of us <laughs> this year is very different that was my my next question for you kate was how has the mayor's book club changed this year um and i feel like we already know that it's going to be virtual but i assume the entire process has changed yeah ab absolutely it has um we, as a committee, after we started meeting in quarantine, virtually, we realized that this idea of finding a singular topic or a singular book that was going to speak and reach everyone was just a really false idea to pursue this year. Mm -hmm. And the more that we reflected on what our purpose and our role is as a community reading program and a citywide reading program, we really began to ask ourselves questions about what natural partners already exist here locally? Because last year our book was the library book, which was a great fit for our city, but it was written by Susan Orlean. And of course she had to fly in from New York. And okay, can we talk about Susan Orlean too? I mean, <laughs> drunk on Twitter in quarantine all the time, hilarious. I'm not on Twitter, so y'all can go ahead and talk about this. I've seen it, it's delicious. It's the drama that I am starved for and is just beautiful and wholesome I didn't realize I needed permission to drink freely during quarantine, <laughs> and it's been nice. <laughs> Tell me about these tweets. What What's happening in them? How have you not followed? I don't Twitter, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't Twitter. <laughs> I feel like Anar is already queuing it up right now to give you a little taste. Anar is constantly irritated with me <laughs> because of how disconnected I am. I'm like, did you see that Instagram I posted 10 minutes ago? And she's like know I'm like mm -mm. how oh my god so Susan Orlean's latest tweet is by the way I am not a wine industry spokesperson I am just a normal person freaking the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> okay I feel like that tells me a lot of what I need to know yeah and, and here's what I have to say y'all like last year Susan Orlean came down for mayor's book club so in a professional capacity I was meeting her I have been a big fan of her nonfiction since, you know, The Orchid Thief was running in series, you know, mm. like the pre-book when it was just in The New Yorker. And I was so intimidated. I mean, Meryl Streep played her an adaptation. And I was just, you know, quaking in my boots to meet this lady. And she was wonderful and lovely and hilarious in all the right ways. And I thought, what a pro. She knows how to keep it together. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like live tweeting, getting drunk all the time now. So essentially, she's a quarantine hero. But I love it. It's unhinged, but it's it's a pulled together unhinged, I would say. <laughs> like it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she... I, I think that level of like freedom and ability to just be completely raw on social media works for her. Does not work for everybody. So true. A lot of things don't work for everybody. Yes. <laughs> on social media. <laughs> so last year, was she the only author that came into town? Yeah. Okay. La last year, we just we were we were all in on Susan Orlean. Um, because her book, the library book, is so expansive in the mm -hmm. way that it explores. It explores the Los Angeles Public Library specifically and the fire, the great fire that occurred there in the 80s. And so it has this element of mystery, but she's surveying 
the entire system and she's looking at different branches and she's thinking about her memories of libraries. And we thought, you know, in a city like Austin, where we have such a beautiful new library, it's, it was rising to the occasion to meet so many of our different community needs at that moment. Um, it felt like a great way to talk about conversation. And Anar, you, you have a background in libraries, too, and a deep love for them. Absolutely. I can elaborate on that if you Sure. Would like Let's me talk to. about Anar and libraries <laughs> after talking about Susan Orlean and libraries. Yeah. Yes, please. I like this trajectory. Oh my gosh. First of all, it's an honor that Claire lets me be on the podcast because I just listen. I just listen. But yeah, I'm I'm very passionate about libraries. Um, AJ works for the Austin History Center. And when we started seeing each other, he was working at the Terrazas branch. And I realized the library is so much more than as a patron than what I had experienced before. You know, I fell in love with a lot of the programming that he did there, which was like movie nights and readings and a lot of just really community-oriented programming. So I started volunteering, and then my very first job out of college was working full-time for the Cepeda branch, which was on the east side. And um, there I launched a little reading series poetry workshop called East Side Poetry. You know, I feel like I brought a lot of what I learned from the Austin Public Library System to host and, like, marrying that vision. Um, but yeah, community is essential, and... I really am proud that Austin does work hard to bring literature and books and writers into like one space. Yeah. And yeah, we're nothing without our librarians that curate our collections and support local authors and local books. And so, yeah, it's thrilling to see the Library Foundation just bring this much programming and elevating it's over 30 books. So that's over 30 local artists. Um, mm -hmm. In addition to a couple of anthologies, which each of them carry about 30 writers themselves. It's amazing. I, I have to agree. Community is everything is something that, you know, we try to put into everything that we do with host. Um, even just in these times with our online presence and connecting with other local artisans in Austin via Boss Babes and the Craft Her Market. And I think that a library has the potential to be like the community hub because it is a space that's free and open to all that is educational, but it's also recreational and it offers free events and things for for kids who may not have access to educational stuff otherwise or recreational stuff as well. So I just think that it's it's tough right now because it's hard to enact that kind of community. I am assuming it's been harder for the Library Foundation to, yeah, um, to foster that community in the same way. But we're excited to learn more about how y'all have been really fighting to preserve that um, because we know that you have been. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I think it just takes a different mode of thinking, right? I mean, I think you have to work different brain muscles to solve the kinds of problems that we're being presented with this year. And looking at what we had the capacity to do and looking at the natural talent and resources of our local community, instead of opting for another like big name Susan Orlean kind of person, we decided we want to focus on our community. And that's when we decided we are going to do a read local theme this year. And as Anar said, I think you said we have over 30 titles, which was true in the beginning. We now have over 50 titles wow. on this list. Oh my God. Over 50 local authors that have books coming out this year. And that's just this year. That's just January 2020 to December we have over 50 books. That's incredible. It's unreal. And it ranges too. As we were looking at the whole list, we were like, well, how do we group things? How do we organize things? And it was just so easy because naturally we're like, we have something for every age. The ages kind of naturally create their own categories. And then you've got genres within that. So if you are a baby baby, <laughs> or if you are... <laughs> the oldest, wisest, most well-read person in Austin, mm -hmm. there's something here for you because everything's new. It's incredible to me that there are 50, over 50 titles 
being published by Austin authors this year. That's just kind of a staggering number. Even yeah. being in the literary community, knowing that there are people writing and publishing books, that's got to be an incredible piece of news for people who may not be as plugged in or just may be unaware that there are that many talented people working and putting things together in Austin. It makes me really proud to be part of it and to live here and get to enjoy those people's art. And I also just want to say, because Ice Cream Social and Host has a title among the 50, it's sitting right behind Kate for those who cannot see. Um, <laughs> there's also a lot of, of hometown pride. Ice Cream is a collection of mostly people who either lived in Austin or passed through. And it just, it feels so good to have Austin really embrace the collection um, and be part of this excellent programming. And yeah, it it's nice to be seen, but it's especially nice to be seen by the community that we really work hard to elevate and support. So it's so wholesome and just so sweet. And yeah, I mean, in quarantine, I think a lot of us are evaluating why do we do anything? Like, why do we write poetry? Why do we make films? Why do we journal? Why do we curate the friendships that we curate and support? Mm. We're really evaluating all the little things that we do in life. And I don't know, the, the phrase like apocalypse pod really comes to mind, um, where it's like the people that we love and support and the art that we create is to sustain us and the people in our lives. Um, and our community is a huge part of that. So many people are like, I should move. The West Coast is currently burning. Everybody's like stuck in their homes. You're really trying to figure out what you're getting out of the place that you're living in. And I think Austin is this place that is abundant in talent. And now we can virtually connect with each other. It's really nice. And I think that like speaks to the conundrum of quarantine, which is we have spent and have been trained to and conditioned to spend so much of our time and energy focusing energy outward, right? And this is a total redirect to focus energy inward. Hmm. And I mean that on an individual level of an artist creating, you know, you're, you're focusing inward, but also on a community level. Like, what does it mean that last year we selected one book and it was by an author who didn't live here? Mm -hmm. You know, that person flew in. What does it mean if we look inward and we say, like, no one's traveling? <laughs> Most people are not. Most people are not going to be be flying or, or leaving. So if we're here, what does it mean that we're here? And what new gems do you find when you, you accept that and, and you dig into it? That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for doing that work and looking to see how you can serve the people that are here. Because, I mean, with how much programming you've put together, I know you've got workshops, roundtables, so many exciting things. Yep. And the schedule is just jam-packed, which is thrilling. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the conversations and readings and workshops that you're most excited about? Yes. I am so, so glad you brought this up. Yeah, so th then the obvious question is, if you've selected over 50 titles, how do you really make meaning out of that? And how is it more than just a brochure that everyone receives in the mail? Right. Um, and so our idea was that we've got some programs that are obviously age appropriate for the book. So um, that starts with ages zero through eight, that is picture book Palooza. And so we're going to be debuting these little, um, they're, they're, they're so cute. They're these little glimpses into the lives of the authors. And shout out to these local authors who were just so game and who were like, yeah, you want me to film a video of myself showing you my workspace and talking about <laughs> my book? And, and they, they just said yes. Um, so we are, we are so grateful for them. And we are going to be debuting those videos pretty soon. That's awesome. So those will be housed on our YouTube channel, the Library Foundation ATX on YouTube. Um, and that's exciting for the for the, the parents that are at home with the little ones. And yes. you want something for them to watch that's maybe not what, what they've already watched over and over again you know, yes. on repeat. <laughs> I'm out of touch. You know, first thing that comes to mind is, is like Rugrats. And I know that's not a thing anymore. So 
I was literally about to say, you know, after you've rewatched that same VHS 20 times, yes. and I know that is not accurate. <laughs> that is my childhood. That is not real anymore. I'm like, after you watch Balto for the 19,000th <laughs> time. Yeah, it's different. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's very different now. I hope that they, they find Balto through this experience. I hope they, <laughs> they discover a lot. And also the picture book. So picture book Palooza, gonna be a great time. So cute. I think it's really gonna be fun. Um, but then the other program I'm really excited about, as you guys know, is uh, Poetry Workshop Series. Yes. Big poetry fan. Always reading, always loving poetry, gobbling it up. I gobbled up the last podcast episode in which you all were interviewing Taya, who is one of our Mayor's Book Club authors this year. Yes, she is. Yeah, what a, what was it, Munchkin? Y'all were Munchkins together? Apparently. Well, not me. The anti-Munchkin. <laughs> that was such a weird, wonderful question that Taya asked. Mm -hmm. On a scale from, was it one to five? I believe so, yes. How Munchkin are we? Mm-hmm. Kate, how munchkin are you? Y'all, one of my VHSs growing up was hands down Wizard of Oz on repeat all the time. Yeah. I am like mayor of the munchkin city level <laughs> munchkin, I think. I would believe that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like, I would be with the lollipop guild the whole time, you know? Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> Has quarantine made you more munchkin? Yeah. And like part hobbit. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. We're definitely all living in holes at this point. <laughs> Barefoot, for sure. How long did it take you to not wear shoes when you're working from home? It, it has to be immediately. 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 I never wear shoes at home. Not even slippers. No shoes. Well, I deliberately bought shoes that I can only wear in my house. And then I got a pair of socks that was just for my professional work meetings. <laughs> I think that having professional meeting socks is a thing now. Like, you could probably start a company and get some really good advertising in on Instagram and make a million dollars with meeting socks. Hmm. This might be what makes me a billionaire. <laughs> but we're currently eating the rich, so yeah. I can't keep that money. But, but yeah, um, okay, well. There you go. Yeah, I also think we would have different Munchkin platforms. I mean, our visions for what can happen to Munchkin City are, are going to be different. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Um, I hope I have your vote. <laughs> Oh my god. Come November. Kate, I don't care what office you're running for, you always have my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're so kind. I will Claire. do no research. Just Kate's name on the ballot. <laughs> we constantly talk about how you should run for office. Um, we really do. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. No, no, no. This was before you're just riding the Munchkin mayor wave no, right now. Like, no, we've totally talked about it. Like weekly. <laughs> We're always like, I would vote for Kate. Yeah, I'm just like, I want Kate to lead all of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. I, I don't know that I've ever really seriously contemplated it. Although, you know, funny story. My friend, Leah Hampton, who recently had a book come out called, I don't know if I can say this, but Fuckface. You can say it. All right, I've, I've said it. That, that is the title of the collection. Uh, and you said it beautifully, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love Fuckface. It's a really good book. It's excellent. It's a, her first debut collection of short stories. It's beautiful. They all take place in Appalachia, which is an area that I call home and have a deep, tender place in my heart for. But what is so interesting is that Leia decided to run for office. I'm not sure exactly what the office is. I have to look it up. But it was kind of happening simultaneously with her book launch. And so she was like running for office and launching a book called Fuckface at the same time. Wow. In Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> Which is amazing. Amazing. Did she win? I think we will find out in November. I love how when online it's F asterisk CK face. Yes. But you know what's interesting about that? 
I was leaving an Amazon review because that's part of how we, we can support people. And I know Amazon's evil, but I was just leaving a review so she could get more visibility, right? I mean, yeah. I was feeding the monster. I don't know if it's good. I left an Amazon review. I included the title F asterisk CK face and I received a rejection from Amazon. They they flagged my comment and said the profanity was not allowed. I'm like, this is literally the title of the book. So, okay, Amazon, who's the real fuck this? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Wait, we need to know what, what she ran for. Here we go. She's she was a Democratic commissioner candidate in Haywood County. That's it. County commissioner. Haywood County. That's but right. It has not yet been decided. So we can still vote for Leah Hampton. Y'all vote for Leah Hampton. Vote for Leah Hampton. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the book is a great hit. I loved it. I already bought multiple copies to give to people I love in my life. Um, so if you all want copies. <laughs> I was to say, I did not receive my copy. The mail um, has been slow, Anar. Do you know what's going on with the mail? <laughs> uh, we, I, will, I will get you a copy. I'll get you all copies. Thank you. <laughs> so this is a Kate recommended book then, which we will put in our Kate Rex at the end of the episode, which is always fun. Wait, wait, wait. Kate, so you were telling us about the poetry workshops, and then you started talking about the nightgown and other poems by Taisa Kitaiska. Yes. Which, by the way, excellent programming that this just excellent fairy tale, dark, grimy, munchkin esque collection of poetry. There are the workshops on October 29th, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect just Halloween primer. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad y'all picked up on that. I was definitely thinking Halloween. I know Tayo was thinking Halloween. So that workshop is actually going to be the last workshop in the series. And so it's going to be a great way to go out and, and kind of celebratory at the same time, which is something we all need right now. Yeah, we've got the nightgown that is going to be featured. And then, of course, Ice Cream Social and Claudia Delfino Cardona is going to be coming and visiting. I am so excited for that and all that you've got going on with hosts with her forthcoming chapbook, What Remains. How is that coming along, you guys? I mean, the launch is coming up, right? October 10th. Um, we're really excited that you booked our Ice Cream Social anthology featuring Claudia Delfina Cardona for October 8th, just so that we could kind of rally whatever troops from that workshop get really excited about Claudia's work. And for those that don't know, Claudia submitted a few pieces that are in her forthcoming chapbook, What Remains, for the anthology about a year ago. Um, We fell so deeply in love with her work and Mm. we're just so grateful. It really helped shape the anthology in certain sections. And so, of course, we wanted to highlight her for the Mayor's Book Club workshop. And so because of the work that she sent over about a year ago, we solicited her for a manuscript and it completely floored us and we were really excited to publish it and that's kind of how we are here now but yeah claudia's book comes out on the 10th and the workshops on the 8th and we were like super pumped for it <laughs> i'm so excited for her book i've read the work in the ice cream social anthology i obviously have not seen what remains yet but can y'all tell me like okay if the book were a fish what kind of fish would it be <gasps> oh i Weirdly, have like an answer right off the bat, which is an angelfish. Mm. Is the first thing that comes to mind. Like an angelfish kind of has like Stevie Nicks vibes. Yeah, yeah. There's something about this collection of poems that has those vibes to me as well. It's definitely kind of its aesthetic is very on purpose, right? It's it's trying to be kind of glittery and sensual and mm. um it really achieves that. It's 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 a beautiful book. I I see those vibes because that is definitely in the atmosphere of this work. But Claudia's work also has a really big family element mm-hmm. to it where we begin and where we end in the collection. Um and for me that reminds me of um do you know, like in the koi pond, is it a koi fish? Those like really big. Yes, those are koi fish. If you go to a Chinese buffet and they've got like 
a moat. <laughs> and it just reminds me of those um, because I remember like Sunday after church, your family takes you to like a Chinese buffet and you eat those really buttery, fluffy like rolls. I feel you with the koi pond vibes. I think that is kind of what I was expecting. The angelfish actually very much surprises me and excites me, especially in all the Stevie Nicks ways. <laughs> and that also reminds me of another book in Mayor's Book Club, which is Chad Bennett's debut collection of poetry. Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that, because uh, I have not gotten my hands on a copy of that book yet, but it sounds incredible. And maybe that's why Stevie Nicks was on the brain, because... She's in the book description for Chad's yeah, book. Yeah, she is, as is Shirley Temple. Chad's ability to like source materials from pop culture and present it in a way that is a whole new experience. Mm. I mean, it's it's unreal. Um, so this collection is phenomenal and amazing, and Ocean Gong selected it as wow. the winner for this year's contest through Sarah Band, which is another amazing press. I love Sarah Band yeah. books so much. Shout out to Kentucky. But we also have in here, you know, there's this poem called Silver Springs that he read at the book launch. And it is about, you know, the Fleetwood Mac song, Silver Springs, and the reunion video in which Stevie Nicks is singing and old Lindsay Buckingham is just sitting there on guitar, forced to listen to her sing this song that she wrote about him, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like the most visceral summoning of her powers because she's singing about how he has to listen to her voice forever <laughs> and he's sitting there having to listen to her voice forever oh my god it's amazing yeah. and Chad's poem's amazing too like I view those things as two completely separate artistic experiences but like Chad's poem was this doorway for me to like go through and portal me into like Stevie Nicks YouTube videos. Yes. I have not heard him read from this book, but having heard him uh, give readings before at Malvern, his work always has this deeply personal feeling to it, even when it's not about him at all. And I think that something that I was picking up on in his book description for Your New Feeling is the Artifact of a Bygone Era is this idea of a classical lover's lament. And I almost feel like I anticipate there to be like almost a lament for parts of our culture or parts of ourselves that are bygone from another era. Yeah. So Kate, so first of all, y'all have sold me on this workshop and this book by Chad Bennett. Um, it's the first one to kick off your poetry workshop series on September 24th. Um, I have two questions for you. Are all of these workshops free? They're all free. And all you have to do is register through the Library Foundation's website? Register through Eventbrite. Okay. If you go to the Library Foundation website, it will redirect you to Eventbrite. Oh. There is still space available, but spots are going quickly. I mean, <gasps> we are we are selling these free tickets like hotcakes. <laughs> so I'm mortified the tickets are moving so quickly because I've been lazy and not registered yet um so that's good to know um we can definitely post about it with a sense of urgency mm -hmm. it's exciting to know it's good to know that it's free programming all you have to do is register but you have to register and i'm so curious about the workshops um we we get to submit a piece of our own and have it workshopped is that the essential idea? These are more like generative focused workshops. So you don't you don't have to come with anything prepared. Anyone can come and join. Okay. Um, the workshops are all going to be led by the same teaching artist. So that will add a level of continuity. That teaching artist is a poet and recent Austin arrival, Stephen Espada Dawson. Stephen um, has done fantastic work and written some beautiful poems um, during his time up in Purdue, uh, where he got his MFA. Where he, while he was there, he worked with uh, Roxane Gay and Kaveh Akbar. Wow. And Stephen just has a great sensibility with poems. I've, From my conversations with him, I've really appreciated everything he shared with me. I've learned, you know, in, in working with him and planning these workshops. So Stephen is leading all of them. And Stephen's going to be leading all of them with this kind with this badger dog model 
of a workshop where you'll read from the book itself um, then you will have a writing prompt for yourself um, that will guide you through and then you'll have time to share with your workshop group. The last 30 minutes of that workshop will be spent with the poet themselves. They will be coming in to visit. Right. In attending, you get to be a poet, you get to read poems, and then you get to talk with another fellow Austin poet. And you don't even have to be in Austin to attend these workshops. Of course, they're all virtual and open for anybody. It sounds so fun. I think they're just going to be a blast. So I would say sign up for as many as you want. I need to do it right now. I've been meaning to. And like you said, Anar, we can't sleep on it if slots are filling up soon. So uh, word to the wise. <laughs> my next question for you, Kate, would be, um, how do I get my hands in all of these books? That's a great question. Um, most of the books are coming into the Austin Public Library catalog. Now, the speed at which they are coming into the catalog can vary depending on how the library is sourcing those materials. I know that right now, curbside pickup is happening at most branches. So if you need books from the library, you can get most of them via curbside pickup. But the library is also expanding their electronic collections. So you can find some of our books online. You can also find them through APL. Okay. If neither one of those options is available yet, and I say that because these books are hot off the presses. Mm -hmm. um, so the library is in some cases waiting on copies, which is very exciting and a great way of, you know, celebrating these books too. Like it's, it's very exciting to have people waiting and queued up for your book. Um, so, you know, in some cases there might be a little bit of a wait. Um, we will have some copies that we'll be giving away with some of our mayor's book club programs. So if you attend, and this is not every book program, but a few programs will be giving away free copies of books. So cool. That's really good to know. Yeah. Yay. I also saw that, the, of course, support our libraries using the library system is essential. Supporting the li library system is essential. Um, but if there's a book that you love so much and need to own, I saw that the Library Foundation did link out to not Amazon. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, that's right. We, we've got links on our webpage. If you go to austinlibrary.org slash Mayor's Book Club, clicking on those links will direct you to sources where you can purchase the copies. There's also a link at the bottom of the page that will take you to the library catalog as well. Awesome. So both options available. And, you know, of course, if you're going to buy a book, uh, we always encourage people to buy it from a local indie bookstore or directly from, from small presses. Because okay. some of these books, that's what I love about looking at this list. Some of these are coming out from huge presses, you know, top publishing houses. Some of them are self-published. Some yeah. of them are smaller local indie presses. I mean, so it's such a great variety. And we're all putting them all up, you know, on the same level so people can see and, and choose for themselves. Wow. Thank you so much, Kate. This is all so informative, just I feel like for me personally, but I think this is <laughs> so great to get the inside scoop on all of this stuff because you guys did program a lot of events for us and it's sometimes it's hard to choose, you know, what to do. And I feel like hearing you talk about it makes it so much more exciting. Kate, um, can you, I know you really wanted to touch base on some of the other programs that you're really excited about for the poetry workshop. Um, can you tell us about revisiting the elegy in the Black Lives Matter era anthology? Yes. So um, for those of you who aren't familiar, this is another one of our poetry titles for the Mayor's Book Club this year. The title is Revisiting the Elegy in the Black Lives Matter Era. And the book contains both poems and scholarship that are tracing the elegiac form within a historical context and situated it all within our current context of the Black Lives Matter era. Mm -hmm. This book came out in early January and it was edited by a group of, of poets and scholars. Um, I'm going to read all of their names because they all deserve the wonderful credit for this book because this is such a labor of love to combine scholarship and poems together and do so in a way that is engaging and is looping through so many different themes and ideas. It's an intense and well-curated journey to read this book. Um, so shout out to the editors, Tiffany Austin, Sequoia Maynard, Emily Ruth Rudder, and Darlene Anita Scott. Yay! 
have to own. Sequoia, who you all know, is one of our Austin people. We love Sequoia. Uh, Sequoia is red with ice cream. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Sequoia was really, you know, this is this is so much of the work that she did while she was here in Austin. She has left us now and is a new professor at Spelman, which is amazing. And congratulations. But um, when she was working on her PhD at UT, which is where we met, this is what she was working on. This is part of her scholarship. And um, I'm just going to read for y'all. I mean, some of what they've pulled for this collection is just is just amazing. I mean, you've got work in here from poets like Sequoia Maynor herself, but also you've got conversation and scholarship happening here around Claudia Rankine, citizen and American lyric. There's also work here from talking about Lucille Clifton's poems, talking about the long held history, specifically within black poetry of thinking about the elegiac form and thinking about how it honors the lives that have been lost at the hands of police. Yeah, mm. Sequoia has two two really powerful pieces in here. Upon reading the autopsy of Sandra Bland is one of them. And Black Boy Contrapuntal for Trayvon Martin. Um, I think in quarantine, we've had so many conversations around race and Black Lives Matter. I think some people situate those all within this specific moment in time. And we know that quarantine has also laid bare everything that has been present for years and years and years and generations and generations and generations. And that is something I greatly appreciate about this book is that it really forces us to say the names of people that have been lost at the hands of police for years. And it gives us context through scholarship and poems by like people who are practicing now, people who are alive now. Mm -hmm. Evie Shockley is in here, you know, um, so many brilliant minds and, and pieces. Amanda Johnson, who's also a local Austin person, is in here. And Amanda and Sequoia are going to be doing a reading this evening, actually, with uh, another local poet, KB, who you all know. So the way that we're kind of pivoting all of this for the workshop experience is we decided that just burying this book in with other poetry collections really did not do it enough justice. Um, so we are hosting an event this evening. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, this event has already happened. But the exciting thing is this event has been recorded and is now housed on our YouTube channel. So you can go back. You can check out the conversation that we're having with Amanda, with Sequoia, with KB. And that video and that program will kind of exist and be evergreen online. And that will be what, what is referenced for the poetry workshop as well. So that people who go to the poetry workshop aren't just getting that, you know, hour and a half of workshop time. There's, there's more beyond it. And um, we'll be doing more workshops that speak to all of this as well. KB is going to be leading a workshop series in November for us called Freedom House that is about setting goals for your own work that relate to individual liberation and freedom as it relates to the creative artist rather than like capitalism and publishing and MFA programs. Like what, what are those like internal motivations for why we create art? Yeah. And KB, uh, a local poet and scholar, they also post really great stuff on their Instagram. I saw some prompts recently for writing such as that. And the Instagram handle is ATX Interfaces. So definitely give them a follow and you can get some amazing insight into what that series will probably entail. Yeah, absolutely. KB does so much for our community and ATX Interfaces is is one of those projects and, and community spaces. Um, they do like uh, so many free events on there, but also like free writing space. Every Sunday is like an artistic create space that they have online that they host. So you can be with people creating art. Yeah, the art making Zoom room. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's it. Art making Zoom room. That's so cool. Yeah, they do a lot for our community. Yes. Shout out to KB and Sequoia and Amanda. And this book, Revisiting the Elegy in the Black Lives Matter Era, this is a great book that many, many people should, I would say, if you're going to buy any of these books, buy this book. It's a book you can come back to. It is so thick and dense with, with some of this scholarship here. But I should say, this is accessible scholarship. This is not... Right. 
this is not literature with a capital cursive L. This is like <laughs> something you can read and you will love. But I think it's a book you can come back to. Definitely get your hands on it. Yeah. Check it out. Oh, thank you so much for all that great information because I was so curious about that and I saw the extra programming for tonight and I was like, what's happening? There's like this whole this whole community around this book and it looks so beautiful. I cannot wait to get a copy. Same. Oh my gosh. Um, so the poetry workshop's going to be awesome. And I do love that um, you mentioned before that it's going to be consistent through your workshop teaching artist, which is exciting because it can be a little intimidating stepping into a space with a new person to meet every time. Are there any other specific books or events that you want to highlight, Kate? Well, you know, I would say, I think some of your listening audience, you guys have some poets listening here. I, I think like you so. guys attract that crowd, don't you? I hope so. <laughs> you munchkin poets. So in that vein, some of your listeners might be familiar with Lisa Olstein, yes. who is a poet and a wonderful, beautiful poet. Lisa's debut nonfiction book came out this year, and it is called Pain Studies. And this is such a unique nonfiction book. I think today a lot of people talk about hybridity of form and creative nonfiction and lyrical essays. And Lisa's really kind of created her own form in this book that feels wholly singular and wholly Lisa. Yeah. And she is describing her personal relationship with pain, um, specifically migraine pain. She lives with chronic migraine pain. Mm -hmm. But she is also exploring what pain looks like as a cultural touchstone and research that that aligns across and through those anchors of thought wow. and in doing this there are these sections in here that are just list and they read like they read like poems and so that's one thing i love about this is just how beautifully crafted lisa's book is i think pain is something we're all experiencing in quarantine and it may not be in a physical form there's a type of grief that that can be pain related that is just the loss of the lives we used to live yeah and so I think there's new content here for us to mine too that's maybe not stated explicitly I think that's a really interesting book for the times as well because um, from the description I gather that it's going to be meditating in moments upon how we treat pain and perhaps the medical industry a little bit um, and probably Lisa's own experiences. And that's a really rich landscape. And, you know, it's something that, that I think we're also all thinking about. It's, it's no longer something that you can really ignore whether or not you have health insurance and um, the type of treatment that is available and how accessible that is. Uh, at the moment or even in normal times. So I'm excited to read it because I love a good lyric essay. And I know that um, Lisa is as much of a scholar as she is a poet. She's, she's a very, very brilliant mind. And this will be, this will be a really great book for the fall, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the theme of unknowns too, right? Like not being able to source pain yeah. or not being able to source a solution, which was something we're all thinking about too. Yeah. Will the Mayor's Book Club be hosting any workshops or readings um, with Lisa? I would say stay tuned. We, okay. we have things in the works. So our calendar that is currently online is going to continue to evolve and grow. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that we're currently working on. Always working, y'all. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm particularly excited for the Reading and Roundtable feels like it doesn't get any more Austin than the rock and roll fiction and memoir session. That's right. I know. I mean, Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's is going to be reading from her memoir. <laughs> I'm so pumped for that. Yeah. And I'm really excited to hear from Alyssa R. Sloan too, who uh, her debut novel, the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes is is the fiction side of that. And Cassidy Holmes in this book is like a pop star. And so it's going to be really interesting to see the parallels and the contrast between like Kathy Valentine's lived rock and roll life and the fictionalized Cassidy Holmes's life. That is so badass. Mm, I'm so stoked. I love, I mean, Almost Famous was iconic. I covered the Austin music scene and part of me really mourns for, for that era of like early millennium 
early 2000s. Um, and I feel like I'm going to get a little, a little taste of, of all the concerts that we can't go to right now. And yeah, just like those late Red River nights where you wearing your combat boots and everything's wet sweaty <laughs> someone's smoking in your face yeah and you go and get a slice of pizza I was about to say all you want is pizza in that moment yep. and what is that that pizza place that it is not good Ugh, at any nasty. other time Hoboken yeah that's it <laughs> not a sponsor yeah. This is not an advertisement for Hoboken. 2 a.m., the best pizza you've ever had. It's amazing. But it'll scratch that itch where you just mourn for, I mean, especially like being Austinites, we have had the luxury of it's a Monday night and you just walk into any venue downtown and you've got some of the most talented musicians, you know, just yeah. testing out new material. Um, or on a Friday, Thursday, Saturday night, you've got a really great band passing through. Yes. Yes. I feel like that'll, that'll really shut me up for a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> so that's on October 14th. Kate, I know you are working so hard and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you, Anar. <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, we were all like, are our jobs going to still exist? Um, yeah. How do we pivot, especially with, Kate, you work so much with the people, with human beings. Um, and I was never worried about you because I'm like, Kate will pivot. You will <laughs> have your programming pivot to virtual. And it was seamless. I know you pushed up so much of your programming a couple of months ahead of schedule um, and you just rolled with the punches and I'm so happy for you and so proud of you. And Austin could not be any luckier to have you curating some of these programs for children and adults and everyone below and in between and above the ages of zero to 110. <laughs> <laughs> I concur with all of that. You guys, I think you just wrote my mayor of Munchkin City opening <laughs> speech right there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> No, that's that's very kind, and and I I appreciate all that y'all do with hosts and with this podcast, with all the pivots you've had to make because, you know, we are so interconnected. That is like the big yeah. takeaway. Everything is related to everything. We yeah. are just our own microcosm here, and we are mutually benefiting. I hope from from all of our creations and all of the public that we that we connect because I know that y'all serve people too, and and in so yeah. many different ways. So thank you. Yeah, and we want to connect with people. And so we're really happy that programs like Badger Dog and the Mayor's Book Club allow us to do that even more. Yeah, such is my hope. It's hard. We have to celebrate the little things. That's right. Um, I know, Kate, you were cheering me on when I was like, I'm going to get a pumpkin spice latte. I'm going to be a basic bitch. It's <laughs> September 1st. Um, and you were like, hell yeah, you have to celebrate. No, I, I hear you. Mm -hmm. You have to have things to look forward to. Like, I was so looking forward to talking with you all. And now I've got, like, this evening program. You know, I'm planning out my looking forward to's, like, in five-hour units. Yeah. <laughs> like, from here on out. You're so smart, Kate. You're always so organized. Oh, that's a facade. Can we just say for a second, have you all watched these container ladies on Netflix? The Home Edit? yes. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, no, I have not. But it's within my atmosphere that I curate that is stinky with social media obsession. <laughs> stinky. <laughs> Only to, like, I feel like I, I, I'm doing this thing where I'm, like, obsessed with social media, but I don't consider myself obsessed with social media. I say that I'm... <laughs> taking all these nuggets and like putting them in my pockets so that I could write something about it later. So I'm like observing, but I'm mm. also, I think, really into it. But I refuse to watch the home edit because I think that I would enjoy it. And it was just like, I will brew in the stinky atmosphere of social media obsession. Um, please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Anar, we are both Capricorns and... I feel like some of this organizational stuff should be like ASMR <laughs> to, to our hearts and minds, right? I watch these ladies 
And I could not deal with how organized it was and how it's all this giant commercial for the container store in its own way. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I want that level of control Mm. over my space, you know? There's like a level of Capricorn that is really repulsive. (laughs) Um, That is the dark side of Capricorn. Um, And I mentioned it when I was talking to Taya and Claire last time, it's really ugly. Like at AWP, I was just like so type A that I was like an outer body of experience where I was just like, (laughs) this is so ugly, but I can't stop being a monster. And (laughs) I feel like that would be me the moment I step into the container store. I have never been. I know that I will destroy my credit score. I will buy thousands of dollars of containers I completely agree. I think there are there are things I need to remain a healthy Capricorn distance away from. And Capricorn distance away is whatever distance I am from a container store. <laughs> and there's like other things too, like bullet journaling. Like I should not do that. And I don't know if we're going to keep this for the podcast, but I feel like everybody should know that Kate and Claire and I all have pen collections. Um, so I was about to bring this up. I'm not like you guys, though. You know I'm not. Um, You are pretty close. No, I have a deliberate sense of mess around my apartment that reminds me of home. And like with the pens, I have all these different colors. And... I deliberately separate them and have them in random places. So like I have two like in the pocket of my backpack so that when I forget, when I forget my pen pouch, (laughs) I don't not have them. So they're not like all together organized in one place. They're kind of spread out. Different strategies. Please tell us more how you're not like us. (laughs) (laughs) That is peak Capricorn. Yeah, that's what we do too, Claire. Don't act like this is different. I will never forget my first day in the MFA program at UT. I sat down for workshop next to Adam Edelman, fellow poet, friend. I sat Mm -hmm. next to Adam and I pulled out my little pen collection. And I think at that time it had its own stand. The pens came in a plastic case that you could fold out and then it created a stand so that you could easily access them. And I had them organized. And so I'm getting ready for class. I pull out my, you know, my notebook. First day of MFA. I'm so excited. I'm in workshop. I pull out my pens. I pop them up on their stand. I'm sitting next to Adam and he just looks at me. (laughs) And gives me the saltiest glare and just says, you know, this is grad school, right? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. I was like, come on, dude. And I said, oh, I know. Yeah. You're like, that's why I'm prepared. Yeah. I can't believe he said that. I know. So rude. (laughs) I remember when you interviewed for host, um, you came in, did the same exact thing. (laughs) And before the interview started, I was like, okay. This is my new best friend. Um, (laughs) I will die for this person. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for many years. (laughs) You know what kind of keeps me from the container store in addition to that is, I'm sorry, I'm not letting this go. The (laughs) amount of plastic really makes me uneasy. I know. Yeah, that's bad news. There's a lot of problems with it. Do they not have like sustainable options? They probably do, but... If I enter, I will never come out, so I oh. should never know. Yeah. I think the, the issue with the sustainable materials is they're not transparent. You can't see through it. It's like a basket. Oh, well, that's but true. Regardless, no to container store. That's not for yeah. me. Yes to Marie Kondo, though. Yes. I don't know the shows you're talking about. I have not watched, but Marie Kondo, I'm, I'm about it. I'm about it, even just on an aesthetic level of watching that show and just loving her vibe and enjoying it. Not even trying to, like, take any tips away from, like, how to fold my clothes. <laughs> I just like watching her do her thing. I do, too. And I think that the time for Marie Kondo was last year, but the real time for Marie Kondo was quarantine. Yeah. Because one of her, her tips, and I will, I always think of this, and I've thought of this several times in quarantine, is, like, if you just need to refresh your space light a candle or open a window. And I'm like, it's true. Light a candle or open a window. That's how we free ourselves. Yes. What candle are you lighting up, Kate? I have a few different candles 
but I have one candle that's very special to me. It's a moon candle that Taya sent to me during quarantine. Mm -hmm. And it has snakes and flowers on it. It's, it's like a long pillar candle. And then it has this beautiful front cover with two moons, a snake head on each moon. And then it has roses kind of spiraling out. I don't know what the scent is, but it's really earthy. It almost reminds me of like Palo Santo wood. Yeah. Maybe it's snakes. It's probably snakes. I have a snake candle. <laughs> Just the smell of burning snakes. Um, <laughs> Where is it from? Do you know? I think it was from a shop on Etsy. We'll tag it. Yeah, we'll tag them. I'll send you all the link to that, that moon snake candle. It's so true how much of a difference it makes. I've started doing it on a daily basis now. It puts me in a really good mood. So I'll just shut the blinds and light a bunch of candles and it becomes very zen all of a sudden. That's a really good tip for staying sane in quarantines. Thank you, Marie Kondo. Yes. I love this gif of Marie Kondo that is just, I love messes. Mm -hmm. I love it. There's nothing more fun than to clean an impossibly messy space and make it look incredible. Yeah. I also just want to say that we definitely want to have you on as a guest of and writer of your own accord, um, separate from all of the hard work that you do for the Library Foundation. I'm, I'm down, and I can't wait to hear the future episodes that y'all do. Who's up next on your list of, of people? I'm really excited. So we'll be interviewing Claudia next and getting that out just before her book launch um and of course very close to the time that she is visiting the workshop for the mayor's book club i can't wait for all that lies ahead for us in the new reality that we're entering (laughs) (laughs) 